Hello and welcome to another episode of This Particular Album is Very, Very Important to Me. I'm Deborah Tarika. And I'm Joel Spence. This is the podcast where we ask people we love to pick an album that is very, very important to them. And here they share their memories. Great and not so great. And emotional connections. Great and not so great. And we all get to listen to it through their ears. All right, let's start with this particular song is very, very important to me. Deborah, why don't you go first? So the song I picked is City of New Orleans by Arlo Guthrie. Riding on the city of New Orleans Illinois Central, Monday morning rail Fifteen cars and fifteen restless riders I've always loved this song. For some reason, this used to be on like my walking mix in college. This is super upbeat. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. But, and this is how it's going to connect to our lovely guest today. Um, this song, so a uh, year and a half ago, my husband and I took a trip all around the UK. And our last stop was in Dublin. And the very last night of our trip, we... Um, we had dinner and then we were like, let's just go into a bar. He doesn't really drink. I'm not like a huge drink, but we're like, let's just go in. We haven't even been into a pub in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pub called Doheny and Nesbitt. I don't Donny. know. If, how is it? How do you say it? Donny and Nesbitt. Donny and Nesbitt. Donny oh, and Nesbitt. I'm yeah. going to butcher this. And I've been butchering <laughs> it in Beverly Hills my that's whole one life. Of the, that's one of the better ones. That's yeah. I, Well, we Was walked it? in yeah. and there were these two older men with guitars playing music just to like a small room of people wow. we grabbed or i grabbed my um i grabbed saxophone these, i grabbed my <laughs> saxophone <laughs> sorry uh, i interrupted you. i grabbed <laughs> i uh grabbed the guinness because you have yeah, to yeah. i feel so um touristy saying all this yeah. stuff uh and then we just sat down and these guys played for a couple hours oh. and everyone was singing along it was like we walked into this very intimate moment they like knew everyone that was in the room and they this is one of the songs they sang and everybody was singing along and it was one of the most like beautiful moments wow. I've ever experienced it was like one of the best trips we've ever taken Love it. and this was the last moment of the trip and it was like they did like Brown Eyed Girl and then a bunch of songs we didn't know uh-huh. and then this one and it was just like it gives me goosebumps talking about it it was magical that's perfect whenever anyone asks me what to recommend when they're going to Ireland on a trip I always say try to make a live music they're called sessions which is Irish for session okay you know sometimes you have to go all the way out to Kerry or Cork or somewhere yeah. out in the country to hear something like that so the fact that you got to do that it was so accidental great. good morning America how are you said don't you know me I'm your native son I'm the train that calls City of New Orleans I'll be gone 500 miles When the day is done Nighttime on the city of New Orleans Changing cars in Memphis, Tennessee Halfway home There was one woman that was there that hadn't been since her friend had passed away who also used to come and like she sang a song beautifully and was like crying while singing the song. It was like, hmm. you can't recreate that. It was just like one of those moments that, and we just stayed until, we, I don't think we stayed until the bar or the pub. I keep calling it a bar, pub, um, yeah. pub, pub yeah. whatever. The pub closed. Um, I think there's a snug in Dahani and Nesbitt's as well. Did you see the snug? I don't know what that, what's, what's that? that? Snug is like a little small room just off the bar where you can go and have a private drink and conversation I love that it sort of it's, it's pretty Irish I think I don't, I don't know you is it really small is that the it's it's small but it's it's sort of an odd thing you don't really find them much anymore so you'd want to find an old traditional bar like the one you were in yeah I, yeah is that where the, the video of uh, the last YouTube video you sent was that in a snug where the, uh, all the no that would have been just in a regular, regular pub like a snug yeah. would be small it'd be the size of this table oh gotcha wow. for two to four listeners people. this is That's a ten so foot great. by ten foot table <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
The featured album comes out in 1988, right? Yes. Yeah. And um, we're, we're a year apart, I think. Um, and, and an ocean. And an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I went to what I was experiencing around that same. And I, I was, as I was discovering, I was like, well, all right. It was my senior year of high school. And uh, it was a pretty, there was a lot of turmoil that year for me. To adding on to the fact that it was my final year in high school where you're sort of feeling confident and over high school, there's about to be this huge change in life uh, by leaving it at, uh, and going to college. And um, I had, it was that year that I decided to quit soccer and focus on theater uh, in, the, in the theater department of my high school, uh, which was the first year I had ever not done a sport. And... I fell enormously in love with this one uh, woman in my class. I had broken up with this other woman who was uh, now in college. She was a year ahead of me, still is to this day. <laughs> Sounds like she was na- now in college. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, and a, a fr- the sad part is a friend of mine took his life uh, that year in addition to all this mess. And... Uh, the woman I fell enormously in love with uh, fell kind of in love with me. Not enormously. I think she just kind of liked. So it was just a, a mess of a year. Along with the sort of cocksure kind of like, I'm a senior now. So it was just complex. Being a teenager I, is hard. Yeah. So yeah. hard. I have a 15-year-old at home. That's a, uh, no, you're, boy you're or in girl? It. You're in boy. it. Yeah. Equally rough. I don't know. I've, I only know 15-year-old girls. <laughs> I am not the type of Oh my goodness. So this is Hair Shirt by R.E.M. For no good reason Run a carbon black test on my So I think Michael Stipe is so special. Um, and this is sort of a mid-career album where he was starting to get more intelligible. Mm-hmm. And his lyrics are so great. And you could hear... Sometimes just one line in a song, and it could mean everything to you. Mm. I remember lots of nights just driving home in my car after a party or just get together, whatever, and just playing this song and just being lost in the... It was like soothing, I think. That's Mm. perhaps why I... It's one of those songs that I could just put on and it would calm things down, along with acknowledge the turmoil that was happening. I could walk into this room And the way I can't listen to R.E.M. without, like, it, like, hurting my heart. Mm-hmm. And I have no, like, strong connection to it, but his voice is just so... There's just so much emotion. Yeah. I agree, and he used, you know, famously, obviously used it as one of the instruments more than actual articulation of yeah. lyrics. Yeah. Which and the lyrics were still amazing, but yeah. he didn't care. Yeah. You know, you could he, there were a lot of enough. I felt private jokes to him in a way or private like his own language. Um but I I think I trusted him. Never felt I was being had by him or something. Banks of light Hang your hair shirt On your lower strong It's a beautiful light And I can hang my hair shirt Way up high In the attic Of the wrong dog's life chest to just trust and go like I don't know what it is I don't know what you're saying I know what a hair shirt is there's something about guilt um, for sure but I remember just him in combination with the music made me feel better and something about this song as well I think there's something about accepting things mm-hmm. as they are and just being exhausted of fighting yeah uh, yeah certainly in teenage years 
does seem like a fight sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And at the end of the night, you know, because parties and social get-togethers, I mean, just the fact that I'm calling it a social get-together gives you a good indication <laughs> of how I handle those. Um, the, the, also, I bet you didn't call them social get-togethers when you were a teenager. <laughs> Are you all, you come Mom, to my I'm SG going to a social get-together. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, son, no, you're not. You clearly are not. Um... <laughs> Now that I'm talking about it, it was just the safety of being in my car and on the way home in combination with this song. It was just, I felt safe. Yeah. Your this was one of the albums I was going to choose. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh, and I saw them in uh, on June 24th, 1989 in Dublin. Wow. And... Actually, the concert was famous because apparently the sound was so poor, it got really bad oh, reviews really? the next day. But I did not hear a problem with the sound. All <laughs> yeah. I could see was Michael Stipe on stage and, uh, yeah. you know, R.E.M. How do you remember the date? I was so just well? thinking the exact same thing. Um, well, first of all, I looked it up because... <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. It was right because around the time. I wanted to get my timeline straight for those years because yeah. they're a bit hazy. Sure. But, uh, and these, these days when... It, when you know, when these events happen, you know, like the R.E.M. concert and some other major days in my sort of teenage years, mm -hmm. um, you kind of want to, looking back, you kind of want to put a date on it because, yeah. you know, nothing's the same ever again after that. Did you keep a journal growing up? Did you keep a journal? Yeah. Sort of. Like, I kept it's a really embarrassing. Girly. Mine is way more embarrassing than yours, whatever <laughs> yours is. <laughs> Without sight unseen. <laughs> <laughs> just like lyrics from songs that uh, I thought were really deep yeah, yeah. you cry <laughs> this is a story from the previous season but you had a party at your house and you were crying in your car <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> went outside listened to Ray Charles Ray Charles yeah yeah and cried in my car <laughs> well everyone was having a good time at their social get together right <laughs> alright we're gonna take a break and we'll be right back hello listeners thanks once again for tuning in if you're digging this podcast, please, please, please go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review. Deborah and I love doing this show, and good reviews help us continue to bring fun guests and great albums to you. Special thanks to those of you who already have rated and reviewed. You know who you are, we know who you are, and we're looking forward to reading some new ones. And now, back to the program. Actor Jason O'Mara is with us today. You can hear him as the voice of Batman and Bruce Wayne in the DC Universe animated original movies. He's got many, many credits on stage and screen, most recently playing Wyatt Price on the Amazon series The Man in the High Castle. He's also a director, and I have personal experience with that. You didn't require much direction. <laughs> <laughs> I just stuck the camera in your face. <laughs> um, you hail from Dublin? Do you hail from Dublin or uh, elsewhere in Ireland? No, I was born and bred in, in Dublin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my whole life. Well, welcome. Till I was 22 and got the hell out of there. <laughs> <laughs> went all the way down to London? Is that where you went? Went to London for seven years, then came to the States. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Was it a get the hell out of there? I suppose it was in a way. I, I felt it was kind of... Uh, you know, when I decided to become an actor, I felt like after a year there, I'd worked with just about everybody I was ever going to work with. And uh -huh. while that was probably a little overdramatic, there was some truth to it. And, um, you know, I really admire the, my friends who have stayed and my sister, actually, who's carving a career there as an actress. And um, it's just really hard to make a living, you know, yeah. even if you're successful. Um, mm -hmm. So I felt I needed to just kind of broaden the horizons a bit and uh, take a leap. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm a fan of the of the show. Oh, thank you. Jason, what particular album is very, very important to you? Well, it's a tough one um, because there are so many yes. that we're, you know, I know all your guests say this, but um, I went with, a, with an album that for me just, it was like the embodiment of a particular time in my life yeah. and um, actually kind of gave me hope during a you know a fairly tumultuous and confusing time mm -hmm. um and also led to one of the best concerts i've ever been to in my life so that album is uh hothouse flowers people their oh, debut right. album yes yeah, irish band in fact that debut album is still the highest selling De irish debut yeah. album That's in amazing. ireland it's incredible yeah yeah, yeah. 
Let's get into it here. I love how it starts. I know. I and love how it starts. It's so interesting to start an album with a track called I'm Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally like, I'm sorry for everything that's about to come after this. While I was sitting back in my deep pile, reclining chair, thinking about my life and... The, so, you know, Liam O'Wenley has this uh, sort of, I don't know, he's like scatting at the beginning of this. Yes. And, you know, if you listen to this album a hundred times as you do when you're 16, when they played it live, he just kind of made it up. Like, yeah. And that was, that was really shocking. It was like, wait, wait, this is, it's almost like quoting the Bible. It's yeah. like, you can't <laughs> it's play with this. Yeah. It's sacrilegious. <laughs> he was just like, yeah, you know, here we are, everybody together. <laughs> How you doing, everybody out there? Yeah. Of Maybe. course, we cheered, but it was like, Wait, this Wait, isn't I'm sorry. It needs to be it's, the album. Yeah. Was this the only time you saw them in concert? Yes. Or have you seen them multiple times? Oh, even no, better. No, it was the only time. Holy That's, cow. Okay. So had you heard of them before this album was released? Because they, they were on the scene. I they guess. had a single called Love Don't Work This Way, okay. which was getting some airplay. And I think Bono from U2 saw them on TV um, playing Love Don't Work This Way and signed them to his record label, Mother I, Records. I can't right. even imagine what that must have been like. To get the call from Bono. Yeah. Yeah. So off the back of releasing Love Don't Work This Way, which they included in the album, but kind of towards the end of the, you know, the back end of the album, um, they got a deal, I think, with Polygram and, and recorded the album with them. And so where were you? Uh, what was your situation? What was your life like then? So I was going to this Catholic school, which was very heavy on rugby. You know, you were talking uh -huh. about soccer. Yeah. And rugby sort of became the thing that I was using to focus my efforts and yeah. frustrations in yeah. a healthy, yeah. positive way. I mean, you yeah. know. I had just finished a season of rugby where, I mean, it's like being in the army, you know, mm. and we were playing at the highest level in the country at that stage, and we just got to, like, semi-final of, of the championship, and we... We tied twice. It was nil all, nil all, and then 12-6 and lost. And the team we played, we exhausted them so much they went on to the final and lost 3-0. Now, <laughs> wow. rugby is a really high-scoring game. I don't know why the scores were so low, but um, like 3-0 is about the lowest score you can get crazy, yeah. and have a result in a rugby game. son now plays oh, and I, very cool. I, I help coach down at the Santa Monica Rugby Club and, and I still enjoy it so yeah. but I had to sort of, sort of get away from it for like 10 or 20 years you know I just yeah. had to kind of it was too much for yeah. sure yeah I guess I bring this up because, you know, it was a very, uh, it was physically exhausting. And then right after that, we went on to do the intercert, which is sort of like the high school placement test, even though it's a standardized government test you have to take. Yeah. Uh, now it's called a junior cert, I think, but when you're 15 um, and you're in fourth year, which is the equivalent of what? Um, ninth, sophomore, junior. Oh, yeah. Tenth grade. Maybe, maybe. Fourth year would be like, oh, well, yes, tenth grade, yeah. 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 And even though I didn't do particularly well in my interest, in fact, I wouldn't do well at all at any point in my <laughs> schooling, um, not until I got to do drama at Trinity College in Dublin did I kind of make any academic yeah. headway. Yeah. But uh, 
I, it was still stressful. And yeah. um, so I guess what I'm trying to tee up is this idea of a summer, you know, mm. yeah. that was just freedom. I had I had had a girlfriend six months previous who I'd completely fallen for mm -hmm. and we decided to break up and I said, hey, I'm, I'm cool with that. I wasn't. Yeah. Narrator's voice. He wasn't. Uh, and, um, and actually, I introduced her to the rest of my rugby team. And she got along very, very well with a few of those guys hmm. at a few parties. And, okay. uh, social gatherings. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and, and then would call me the next day and tell me all about it because oh. we were best friends at that point. Right. Oh. And I'm like trying so hard to That's horrible it was hard That's it was never okay it was difficult so but all that was behind me now and yeah. so this album was released i think i think it was may or june of that summer and there was also a really vibrant kind of irish yeah um, music scene at the time and by the way this song that's playing right now don't go was like a huge we'll it's probably still, come back to it because it's yeah. it's so fun seismic yeah, yeah. I think the Hothouse Flowers somehow overcame, because even though I was kind of a jock, I would also hang out with the nerds and hmm. the geeks and the yeah, freaks yeah, yeah, and the yeah. normals yeah, and the goths. Same, same. And I was listening to all their music, and maybe it's because I never really wanted anyone to get to know me that well, but this album, for some reason, transcended all that. And unless you were hardcore, like hardcore punk or goth, yeah. you loved the Hothouse Flowers. Everybody did. It's so contagious such a catchy album yeah I think there's always been uh, this is total conjecture and I'm really kind of talking out of my arse here but that's all we do here but <laughs> that's all that's we crazy. do I think I, I, <laughs> somebody please pull me up on this spank me I deserve it um, but I think there is like Irish people I think there is such thing as Irish soul and I think it is connected um, I mean I don't I think it's more than a coincidence that the song you play, you picked earlier yeah. was a song you also heard playing in a, a, a Dublin pub yeah. There, there is that connection. I mean, country and Western music, which yeah. I don't personally like, um, is huge in Ireland. Really? Yeah, huge. I didn't massive. expect you to say that. Like yeah. Garth Brooks, it was his like per per head. It was his biggest fan base. Wow. So I, um, uh, I just think there is probably that. Now look, obviously the Rolling Stones had already made that big leap, you know, going to um, Soul and uh, and um, Chess Records and all that stuff. Like all that had really yeah. had already happened. The Water Boys also yeah. had released an album right before. Hothouse Flowers people, they had released one called This Is The Sea, and this year, they re uh, 1988, they released Fisherman's Blues, which was also big. And so if you listen to Water Boys, you'll also hear a bit of Hothouse Flowers. But there's definitely that sort of sense of gospel and soul and southern Yeah, it you know, feels like yeah. they just decided, you know, because I, I would also put you two in a category of gospel soul in a way with a lot of rock. 
but Hot House Flowers just went, we're just doing all chills. Like, we're every song, we're, you guys are, you add the audience, and we are going to get chills yeah. just playing this stuff. Yep. Um, this is my slow, kind of album. Slow, fast, yeah. medium tempo, it is all feel. Like, yeah. just yeah. emotion, uh, emotional salvation, re- church release. That's why and it that makes me. build in yeah. every single song. And Lee Manuelis' voice is just yes. insane. Yes. If lonely night surrounds you. They're just kind of putting it all out there. Yeah. It feels like this is the album they've been working on for a long time. <laughs> yes. And like talk about a proof of concept. This is it is a complete yes. like this is who we are. And it's unusual that how naked it is and how even for like when I first heard them, I was a little miffed that I was getting chills. Because <laughs> I was like, I don't want to feel this way. It'll be easier in the this album is very up my alley. And this is something my sister should have discovered when she was in high school, but didn't, and would have then given to me, and we would have listened to it and screamed these songs. And like this one, and Don't Go, like that part where they're like, Black Cat, like Mm -hmm. that part, like, it's, I'm bummed that this has not been in my life before, but I'm very excited that it now exists in my life. And I like this song a lot. This is a good, I like this one. So you said this album, everybody liked in every sort of click group or whatever in your... Yeah, it was massive. So when you went to this... Tell us about that concert, because it's amazing. So it was September 3rd, 1988. So it would have been right before I started uh, fifth year in school, which is the beginning of the last two years, right? Like the junior year here. So you've been living with this album for... Four or five months, everybody had. And it was yeah. the album of the summer. You know, yeah. it was every time you turn on the radio. Um, yeah. By the way, I don't think I ever actually owned the album. Really? <laughs> Great. I, I think I think <laughs> I recorded it. Yeah. Uh, like all my albums were yeah. just tapes, right? Yeah, for you sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mixed tapes yeah. and uh, just taken just off someone's Go to a social get-together and someone would be playing it, probably. Yeah, I would yeah. Yeah, but um, what sits in a circle, it just passes it around. <laughs> yeah, I, in fact, I still don't own this album. I don't think. That's really? well, I might, I might through like Spotify or something, but right, um, right. yeah, it's uh, that's kind of how it was back then. Yeah, like, no one really, one person was, got it, and then that was it, recorded. Yeah, yeah, that poor guy, like he just behind <laughs> like, like no one ever does back Sony Fuji sixty minute tapes and yeah. press record. I got nervous we wouldn't up. even be able to buy it. For some reason, like when you, I was like, since I haven't heard of it, it can't exist. <laughs> Which is not even, I don't even have that depth of, like, deep of knowledge of music, but uh, we, we purchased it. I purchased it, yeah. So this was the end of a, sort of a long summer uh, where everyone had sort of been letting their hair down from, you know, exams. I, I yeah. say everybody, I'm talking about the teenage generation sure. yes, in sure. Ireland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Your world. Yes, yeah. exactly. Which is, as a teenager, that's all that exists, world. right? Yeah. Like summers tend to be, like the end of the summer end of August, beginning of September, tend to, tends to be the best weather in Ireland. And it was a little windy, but it was, it was a beautiful sunny day. And probably the last weekend before we all went back to school. It wasn't a question of like, were you going to the Hot House Flowers concert? It was like, <laughs> when are you gonna be there? Who are you going to meet? Yeah. It was just yeah. like assumed that you were going. Do you remember like how you got the tickets? I think I might have had a friend, you know, he said, I'm, you know, I'm gonna get in the queue for that poor beleaguered friend that actually bought the album. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the same guy. <laughs> and because I don't remember buying it. Yeah. This is a long time ago, so a lot of this is hazy, sure. but. 
I do remember showing up. By that point, I was already kind of partaking of the alcohol.、Mm-hmm. So we probably imbibed something before the. Con- I met. I went with my best friend Louis, who lived across the road from me, who was also a huge Hot House Flowers nut. Every, so many people there. I think we got split up at some point because there was like loads of school friends there, and just everybody was there. So,、yeah. and I do remember probably at this point being a little bit drunk, trying to get up closer before the flowers came on, because the house flowers changed fashion as well. So everybody was wearing paisley shirt, shirling coats,、yeah. Doc Martin boots, or orange Converse. With chinos, dockers, or 501s, where、yeah. uh, Levi、uh-huh. 501s were huge,、wow. and and a bandana, probably、yep. around the neck,、yep. and、uh, I had a massive sort of bird's nest of a quiff. Oh, if you have a picture of this, you're going to have to send it to us. Well,、so、I couldn't, we I couldn't have Liam and Wayne Lee hair. Everybody wanted Liam and Wayne Lee hair. And and actually, ninety percent of the concert was Liam and Wayne flicking his hair.、Uh, that's what yeah, I, I didn't watch、windy. the whole thing, but yeah, it's yeah, a lot of hair. So I tried to make my way up the front, and、um, I was saying in a very loud voice, "Excuse me, I'm a doctor. <laughs> This is an emergency." <laughs> just in that little second where people hear, that you know, yeah, just totally taking advantage of the good nature of human beings, like the kindness of strangers.、Right. They turn around, <laughs> they open up for you, and before they realize, it's just a, a, a drunken teenager with、um, a bird living on the front of his head.、Um, <laughs> I'm gone. I'm gone.、Wow. I'm off the front. Amazing. Tara, I used to pull that kind of crap all the time. I was、so. a real shithead. You were a bad boy. <laughs> But you up, couldn't get the hair. You didn't have the hair. I did not have the hair. You have curly hair.、Get、I have、tent. curly hair.、Mm. But I used hairspray and a and a blow dryer to sort of do a quiff thing.、Sure. Oh my to- god, the girls! I mean,、yeah. it was just all about Liam、oh, yeah. Wynley, as you can imagine.、Um, he's the one. He's the piano. He was、yeah. on keyboard, right? Piano. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, keyboard the, vocals. Yeah,、okay. and.、Um, Just at the, I was trying to picture the concert. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, he yeah, was yeah. on the on the、yeah. keyboard、oh, for most of it.、Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really him and Fiakno Brainon who are like the. That's what the one the with the darker hair.、It. Yeah, yeah. They started <laughs> out as buskers,、okay. yeah. the incredible, no, the incomparable Benzini brothers.、Oh, yeah. I think they were, and they were doing like real kind of soul rock kind of busking.、Um, so they're really the. The hot house、yeah. flowers. The other guys sort of are interchangeable. And there's a Peter O'Toole in yes, there. Yes, from Last Emperor and Goodbye, Mr. Chips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not to be confused. First、with. people to ever make that joke. <laughs> the trick is not minding that it hurts. <laughs>、um, Might seem like maiden, sweet maiden, sent to tempt you in the dark. Might seem like lovers, sweet. What field was that? Was that the 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 RDS,、uh, which is currently Leinster Rugby's、um, gotcha uh, field、okay. yeah, where they play? Is that like the where? The big outdoor concerts usually that are, would、or? sort of be. It's a stadium venue, but sort of middle of the range. Okay, Slane Castle okay, tended to、Slane. be, or the Point. They tended to be the big, massive.、Um, okay, like I saw David Bowie at the Point. I never saw you two at Slane, but、um, okay,、uh, sort of yeah, middle-sized stadium.、Uh-huh. Certainly the biggest concert the Hot House Flowers ever. It's are, really are played it's, up until that point because then they played、uh-oh. Glastonbury, I think, the year later. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, because it, it's it's a real. It's it's an hour long. Is that how do you feel like that's how long the concert was? Do they cut stuff or do you feel? I felt it was longer, but、um, at the time, but well, who am I kidding? I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I don't know. I, it's it's shot well and it sounds great. Yeah, on, yeah. The, on the video, and it starts in sunlight and eventually turns into night. I remember that. For that, yeah, yeah. It, that seemed like such a special again to be at a concert. Of a band you love for their first album, where you know what songs they're going to play, they're not、yes. going to throw any, like, 
The yeah. second they have their second or third album, you're like, there's going to be a few that you don't want to hear. They're going to try and put new songs in there. But to know for like that hour, it's going to be just songs that you love. Even though I think there were maybe a couple songs that weren't on the album. And yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. There might, so. but, there might have been. But but what a special... But all of these moment. songs really lend themselves to being played live. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think that was part of the success of it. Yeah. You can hear how deep the bass drum is and, yeah. and yeah. how everything's just kind of turned up a notch and... and um, it really was fantastic and and obviously Liam's vocals and yeah. the gospel sound it was just perfect for staying and you could see that they were just eating of the energy like they yeah. were giving back whatever mm-hmm. they were getting which is amazing yeah. to be a part of and by the way I never really liked kind of a saxophone sound I know we were joking about it earlier yeah. but, but like the song starts out quite soft with um, with the sax but then by the end of it it's wailing yeah you know mm-hmm. um, which is peak 80s like totally you can't, I'll, I'll, I can't think of saxophones without jacuzzis for some reason like <laughs> I, well there's so many they, reasons like it feels so 80s to have a jacuzzi while somebody's playing the saxophone I don't know this have is maybe jacuzzi. my child thought actually now I think of it that is quite like, bizarre <laughs> they just seem like maybe because jacuzzis were so big in the 80s oh, okay. I don't know where I don't know where this came from but at a certain <laughs> point in my life I decided they were like interconnected you cannot separate them in my brain I don't know I've never really just never really been into the saxophone sound but I, I on this album I just thought it was perfect the way they used did it did you find other did you get into the Water Boys at all, or or did this lead you to different other bands that played similar music, or was Hot House? Well, there was kind there was kind of a major, um, you know, Irish music scene at the time. Um, I was listening to um, I was listening to stuff like Sugar Cubes and Velvet mm-hmm. Underground, The Cure, The Cult, New Order, all that kind of stuff, and I would go on to listen to kind of Dead Kennedys and Stone Roses, and then in college, Jane's Addiction and. Pixies and Living Color and stuff. So, so lots of dark stuff. Lots of that's why this album's so special because yeah. it's yeah. like came right in the middle of all of that, and it's so uplifting. Yeah. yeah. Even if some of the songs are are um, quite, um, I suppose some of them are about grief and loss, and sure. you yep. know, um, but it's done in such an uplifting, positive, hopeful way. What you got written down there? Yeah. <laughs> you, Jason came with a, Joel just lost his phone so notes. I'm using that um, <laughs> I'm using that opportunity oh yeah so I wrote down some of the um, bands at the t- Irish bands at the time so obviously you had the Water Boys but all of them were predated by the Dubliners which kind of okay. that was like opening this whole box of Irish folk that was becoming mainstream and selling internationally and then obviously you know you had bands like the Pogues Yep. Thin Lizzy. Thin Lizzy, yeah. Um, and then... I'm glad you said that one to me, because I'm like, I do recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there was... And the Boomtown Rats, obviously. But then there was um, bands that didn't quite make it out of that scene internationally, like Fat Lady Sings, Into Anua, Emotional Fish, A House, Something Happens, Golden Horde, Aslan. One of them that actually... One of the guys that did make it abroad would have been... Uh, Glenn Hansard from The Frames, who became famous oh. for Once, yeah. the musical. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Won the Oscar for... Yeah, yeah. And, um, and he was all those guys scene? are from that scene. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And obviously, you know, U2, but the thing about U2, and, and one of the reasons why I think so many young people at the time got rallied around Hot House Flowers was that it was sort of embarrassing to be into U2. Yeah. Because it was so obvious. Yeah. Yeah. And however obvious you guys might have felt at that age to be U2 fans, (laughs) being Irish and being a U2 fan was just like unacceptable. Too much, too much, yeah. yeah. So, but secretly we were all U2 fans. I mean, we were listening to them at home, (laughs) but you wouldn't talk about it at school. Yeah. Right. There was way too... We've talked about this before, I think with, in relation to that band where they, there was a point where they belonged to everybody in the world. Absolutely. And then... Uh, but I could imagine that Hot House Flowers belonged to Dublin for that first. Yeah. Well, and also Ireland, Ireland because Liam and Fiachna yeah. were really into Irish culture and the Irish language. Gotcha. And that was not cool at the time um, because okay. we were all, Irish was compulsory. We all had to learn Irish in school. It wasn't particularly well yeah. taught. I mean, I learned more in six years of 
French than I learned in 12 years of learning Irish, Is even though a, I went to Irish college for a summer. Uh, rookie question. What's the language called? Gaelga. Gaelga. Gaelga, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Oberlum Gaelga would be, I speak Irish. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. They Can went you still to, speak it fluently? Do they? Can you? Oh, God, no. Okay. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I know yeah. more French. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's pathetic. Shorter amount of time. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, I'm the kind of person Liam and Fiechner would hate. Because, um, just, yeah. yeah, just you know. Do you ever think like, is it crazy to think that they might know who you are? I doubt it. They might. They're pretty crunchy. Are they? Particularly Liam. Like, have you ever met them? No. Or been in the same place? I don't think he has any interest in. Do you, do you know they to... listen to our podcast? <laughs> they might. Could you? Pass, they might now. Could you make a cassette tape of my podcast? <laughs> our podcast. Um, what no. do you mean by crunchy? Like. Uh, He's he's sort of a hippie, so yeah, I don't. Gotcha. I'm not sure he watches or consumes much pop culture. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and he's he's also really into music. Like he's extremely dedicated, and particularly to Irish music. In fact, he, t- he took time off after the Hothouse Flowers, and studied Irish traditional music. Wow. Yeah. What, what was your comment about those boys? They're good boys. They seem like good boys. They just, <laughs> this whole album, like they're, I they're forget good boys. which song where they talk about like, and we kissed all night. Yeah. Is it, uh, <laughs> I'm like, they sound like such good boys. It was yeah. kind of an innocent time. And, and like, it feels, again, it feels so sincere in mm. what they're singing because of that. Yeah. And it's like, they sing about drinking a little bit and stuff like that. But like, for the most part, it all sounds like, like, it'll be easier in the morning. And tell me if I'm wrong. This is, again, just listening to it for a few days. It's about depression. And yeah, like, it could which be. Which song is this? Which one? It'll be easier in the morning. Or yeah. that you're up late drinking to you know yeah but my first thought with like music would go to like we slept together and then in the morning mm. you're you'll yeah. feel better about this or you know something yeah. Yeah. fucked up like that but i don't i think their intention is like if it's dark for you now things always look better in the light mm. and it just feels like such a clear i think they even comment on it in the song about like hope maybe this song will help you get through the night mm-hmm. and it's just so like earnest they also seem um, because of the passion for actual music um, it didn't feel like a sellout I think they, they don't feel like a big old sellout yeah. band. I think they from, from looking at interviews since I think they felt like the albums after people were they were put under pressure by the record company gotcha. to reproduce people. Oh, right. And I think, at least that's how I interpret it. And and I think they felt quite constricted by that. Yeah. Gotcha. And some of the songs, like later albums, like Give It Up, does sound like a sort of Alleluia Jordan meets Don't Go. And okay. they were being forced into a sort of a formula. Yeah. And uh, I think that's probably why they called it quits in 94. And then I think they got back into it uh Ninety-eight. Yeah, they're still touring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine it's a curse sometimes to have your first album be so big, where you don't have room to grow, where you don't have room to build into something, and it's just. The audience is hungry for that plus Feeling, yeah. more. Like you can't win almost. Did you? Did no. you listen to them for the like their later albums? After yeah, that? I mean, I I think everybody bought Home mostly because by that point we had enough money to buy an album. <laughs> <laughs> it was like first year of college. Yeah. I had an allowance. Yeah. Part time job. I think I remember buying Home. And it was um, the biggest, the biggest hit from that was it was a cover of the Johnny Nash song "I Can See Clearly." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah right. And it's still like they bring everything, all of this stuff that you're listening to now, all of that. Yeah. So Liam soaring vocals and yeah. the gospel sound, they bring it to bear on that cover, and I think it's st- they're still playing that live. Mm. Um, It'll probably haunt them for the rest of their lives and probably sucks because they didn't write the song. (laughs) But uh, that's probably the biggest thing that happened out of home. And then the other albums just sounded a little bit like 
yeah, trying to reproduce people. It's and hard. Was the third album called Food? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the next big subject? <laughs> yeah, their best job would be called, like, Just the Basics. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't Plants. know what it was, but... Yeah, uh, yeah but it's... Um, <laughs> shelter. Shelter. Um, so, uh, this was their moment as well, I think, you know, in the sun... I think he found it quite difficult because it was sort of famous with thrust upon them. In an instant, in an eye blink, and um, I'm not sure they were quite ready for it. Yeah. And then you spend the rest of your career trying to get back to that somehow. That's true, yeah. And maybe that, just to what you were saying before about how they just gave it all in this first album, what that does to a what that does to a band yeah. like, well I think about that with like Alanis Morissette even though that wasn't mm-hmm. her first album but like well, I guess then that, that takes away the point I was going to make if that wasn't her first album <laughs> well that, that was a but big like, explosion no, I get it your was point. so big yeah. and then you can't everything after that everyone was like well I think part of the problem is that your audience are at a certain point in their lives yeah, yeah. and they move on it, and they grow up yeah. and they move on to other it things hits, it was just at the and right they don't want point. to be reminded of that time yeah. if they want to be reminded of that time they'll listen to that album yep yeah that's but right it's 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 hard and if you were into this yeah there's it's like being it's the, typecast as an actor yeah <sighs> I wish I knew please <laughs> someone typecast me uh, but I I think it's I guess I'm finding different ways to say the exact same thing but it's just the that makes total sense to me because of the emotional uh uh, level of this album it is it's needed by v- people at a certain time and it's connected it's, it's not thinking person's music so if you move on from that emotional state of your life mm. yes. it's, it's it's feeling different. feeling music like yeah. you said yeah. 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 yeah beginning we love feeling music yeah they give it all Fikna O'Brien on oddly I discovered this recently, went on to do a, a, a little collaboration with Belinda Carlisle, of all people. On, That's so cool. On a cover of Bonnie and Clyde, you know, the Serge Gainsbourg yes. song. Um, oh, oh, so she was, was she doing the Bonnie and Clyde? Yeah, but she was doing it in her own accent. <laughs> I really wanted her to so do... That song, like, Take Away the Sexiness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. She just recites it. Bonnie and Clyde. Um, this oh, is, and also, this is yes, the band. I can't believe we haven't talked about this yes. yet. They are the band on Closer all, to Fine. All I talk about in every episode is the Indigo Girls and how much I love the Indigo Girls. Yeah. And they collaborated on Closer to Fine. Yeah. What there you, you go. Said. And it, I read that and I was like, this is crazy. I like, <laughs> highlighted good. it, copied, pasted it into an email to send to myself so I could <laughs> talk about it here as if I'd ever forget. Yeah. Because that's so cool. I almost took a screenshot with a bunch of arrows and sent it to you. It all comes full circle. Uh, we got to um, feed on the ground. We played feed on the ground, right? I don't think we. Played that was the their ground. first single off this. Feed on the ground was big and a huge live song as well. Is it? Does it have a special meaning, or what does it mean to you? Oh, I don't think it means anything. Great. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. No, I don't. I haven't really. Honestly, I haven't. Like we keep saying, this is like feeling music. Yeah. A lot of yeah. it, I don't even think about what, what it means or what it's about. Yeah. Um, it just felt good. Yeah. Like it felt, I don't know, there's something about the album, because of the age I was at, it sort of felt grown up. There was something sophisticated mm. about it, something like... Yeah. That that it was probably something people in their twenties was listening were listening to, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's funny. and you know, yeah, sophisticated. We, well, that's yeah. So we started rocking the paisley shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Is this uh, like a start to finish album for you, or do you like cherry pick as you go through? Um, I would probably put this on just if I if I was feeling a little sentimental, yeah. you know. But if I'm talking to someone about. Irish music or if they're interested in you know um, that whole scene then I would probably put on I'd probably put on Don't Go I think I think it's it's, it's a go to and if you haven't heard it you really should yeah and then obviously when you've heard it too much then it's you it's like you too it. it's kind of like we're over it yeah, yeah. Um, but it still has that great feel good feel good feeling 
I liked the first half of the album a lot more than the second half, if we're being honest. But it might be because I would put it on, listen to it, and then like get distracted and come back and put it on, listen mm-hmm. to it. So it wasn't, didn't get through it as much, but... You didn't, you, you I that. think it's front loaded. Yeah, I yep. think I think that might have been why they put "Love Don't Work This Way" in the, on this on the B side because it um, it was a hit for them yeah. and it kind of helped bolster the, the B side. But it's flip the record. Yeah, yeah but it's um, <laughs> it's they get a little bit kind of less. I suppose a little bit more nondescript, kind of as as it goes, which sadly is sort of the way maybe their subsequent records went you uh-huh. know? but I think I think the first I, I, I like this song and look I mean they're they're all great because you know it was a bunch of young musicians just great making great music sure. in a in a certain moment in time um, I think Alleluia Jordan is a great song that's um, that's my, that was my gateway into this band it's so yeah, fun yeah and I suppose about you know, loneliness and uh, mm-hmm. disastrous love and yeah. stuff, which I certainly felt at the time. I could <laughs> spoke to me. Yeah, <laughs> right. right, right. Um, it's so yeah. It is a perfect teenage. Yeah. Anthem. Yeah. Is this the one where they kiss all night? Yes, it is. Yeah. It they is kiss all night. <laughs> and also, I was I had a very short and nasty drinking career. Which ended when I was 22, sort of right, right as I left college, pretty much just before. Um, I just I had to stop, like it was just um, out of control. And um, but it was really start. I was really starting to nurse it at this time. Yeah, 16, 17. It was working for me. Yeah, and any and sort of song that had lyrics that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't it, it wasn't always happy drinking. I mean, sometimes I had a great time, you yeah. know, just going out with friends and obviously in Ireland the, the culture fully supports that lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh we 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 uh we know how to breed young alcoholics in Ireland. <laughs> um but uh I took it with me into college at four great years, but by the end of it I didn't know you know, up from down and black from white, and I was just like completely adrift, and so I, I had to stop. And um, and I've stopped. I was like 23 years ago. So, um, but at the time, I did like the sentimentality that went with yeah. drinking with a broken heart. Mm-hmm. So I was drawn to that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, sure. that's many uh, hits have come yeah. from that. <laughs> yeah, not alone. When yeah. did you decide to be an actor? You wanted to do, pursue that. The year after this, 1989, um, I did a, a, my first Shakespeare play at school. Oh yeah. I had a rugby injury and I couldn't play for a couple of weeks, so I rehearsed and did the school play. It was Merchant of Venice. Wow. The year after that, I did Hamlet, played the ghost in Hamlet. And both I never of these performances the- had you just tackling people left and right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. that's the thing. I couldn't play leads because I couldn't afford the rehearsal time because I was supposed to be training right, right so right, yeah. I'd always take like smaller yeah gotcha smaller roles um, but it but it was the most fun I'd had yeah you mm. know ever other than playing rugby and rugby wasn't even professional back then so um, oh, wow. and I certainly wasn't distinguished academically so um, I sort of thought well this is kind of what I want to do so uh, right. I applied for the drama and theatre course at Trinity College in Dublin there was only 14 places out of 1500 applicants wow. I thought there's no wow. way and they they gave me this offer, um, which was unconditional. So I only had to make minimum requirements, which was all C's, based on the interview. Amazing. So, um, I, I mean, I wept when that letter came because it was just such a relief yeah. that a complete, uh, you know, average student like myself could get into college doing the thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, I knew I was going to be sort of okay. Yeah. And then later in college, I almost went into lighting design. And I remember being up in the box, changing a lighting state for a play I was working on and thinking, wait a second, something's not right here. I'm supposed to be down there, mm-hmm. you know, on so the you stage. put all the lights down. I put all the lights down, <laughs> picked around. up a script. <laughs> all right, I'm playing Hamlet. You're playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, yeah, that was kind of, but at least... I was lucky enough to figure out what I wanted to do because 
you know, when you're when you're leaning towards kind of the the arts, it can feel like there's no safety net because you're yeah. it doesn't feel safe. I was just thinking about that the other day where <laughs> this is very sad. Where I was like, I I I've had the thought of like I have nothing, <laughs> but not in like I have like uh-huh. I, I don't have a skill. I have no skill, yeah. and that's terrifying. Yeah. I don't have any. And I just, yeah. re- I'm like, that's such a crazy thought that, like, my dad's a dentist, my mom was a teacher or an educator, and I, like, I, I have They're no solid professions. Skill. Yeah, yeah, I have no, like, trade. There's and no follow-up questions when you t- tell somebody you're a dentist. Yeah. <laughs> with, with our careers, it's sort of, there's lots of follow-up it's, Yes. There and are. It's so hard. Like, but there's like what? No, it's I'm a dentist. Pass the hors d'oeuvres. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Cool. <laughs> Teacher, great. I've never wanted to bungee jump. I've never wanted to jump out of a a, a plane yeah. because I think sometimes being in these professions we've chosen feels like that it's on a daily extreme. basis. Yeah. It's already yeah. you're already playing an extreme sport. There's already lots of adrenaline. <laughs> yeah. Um, huge eyes and really, really. Debilitating lows. Absolutely. And and going back to my senior year, that was the year that I decided to be an actor, and there that was a surprise to everybody, Um, including yourself. uh, I guess it was surprising that I actually did did something about it because I could see that year ending, and I had to make a choice. I felt I had to make the choice. I was like, I'm. I have to make this choice now because I don't want to get four years down the road and then decide to be an actor. I just want to do it as a student for a while. And I decided that about three months before graduating. Wow. And I, that month, that first month of those three months, I just decided I'm going to do this. I have to go audition for this school. And I, my mom flew me up there. It was in Dallas from San Antonio, so it wasn't that far. Auditioned, came back that day, and found out that night. It was all in like oh a my god! Wow, like it's intense. Yeah, and I, I, I am, I have never regretted making that decision, and I feel so lucky that I did it. Bef- bef- as the clock was ticking towards the end, for that's, that's I guess my perception that I felt that it was. Um, I had to make the choice, or I don't know what I would have done. Yeah, I, know. I honestly don't know what I would have done. Well, I, I get very jealous of, you know, triple threats or people who are both great actors and great musically because I feel like if I was good at anything else, I would have gone with that. <laughs> you know, it's like if you feel like it's your, the only thing you're good at, it's probably the only thing left to do. Yeah. And then therefore, as long as you can figure that out, that's your choice. Yeah. But preparing for our chat today I emailed a friend of mine who was there at the concert at the RDS I said do you have any overwhelming memories of Mm. that day and he said everyone was drinking Budweiser (laughs) (laughs) and that's that's actually it's actually true looking back as Irish as it gets (laughs) it was just weird because nobody drank Budweiser before or since but maybe Budweiser was doing some sort of promotion oh, that yeah. day or something. Maybe. Or maybe it was just the only beer available in the city. I don't quite know what happened, That's but funny. everyone was drinking Budweiser. It's very strange. Oh. So funny. Do you, do you remember what you did after the concert? No. No idea. Yeah. You went down to the emergency room and continued your career as a doctor. <laughs> I may have. You do have a trade. You're a doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Liam O'Mwainley was wearing Birkenstocks at the concert, which appalled me at the time and still appalls me. Um, I, I can't get on board with Birkenstocks. I just remember just going, Mike, how can you wear Birkenstocks at a rock concert? And you are the main attraction, yeah. sir. Yeah. Maybe what that's is, why you can. Well, maybe. Because you could do whatever the fuck you want. Oh, man. You could yeah. do it, and he was dressed big. like resplendent and white. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my friend who emailed me back said his other overwhelming memory was that the lead singer of Deacon Blue was wearing a white polo neck. Like a polo, what do you call that here? Yeah. Polo shirt with polo, a little yeah. button. Down. No, or, no, or a turtleneck. Turtleneck, turtleneck. turtleneck. Oh. that's right. Wow. I think I've been here long enough In the middle of summer? Uh, yeah. And like during the day. Like he, they were they first were, on the bill. They were, that's yeah, a exactly. That's exactly. A choice. And my, actually, my friend's name is John Butler, and he went, he's gone on to become a 
really successful Irish director. I know John. Do you know John? I know John. We almost did a, we've worked, developed something together with him. No way. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. His uh, new John. movie, Papi Chulo, I just saw at the Palm Springs Film Festival. It's great. And they have a distributor, so. Great. Yeah. Out. So if you're, I know John too. If you're listening, days. check out Papi Chulo. Do you know John? No. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been weird if we all knew John, but like individually. He was at the concert. Oh. I don't know crazy. if I saw him there, but I know he was there that day. And you knew him already? Yeah, well, I've, no, I've known John a long time. He went to Black Rock College. I went to St. Michael's, which was sort of sister schools. Gotcha. So my friend Louis, who was my neighbor, yeah. he went to Black Rock. So he introduced me to John and okay, great. all of those guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you could say, uh, and I'm still in touch with Louis, mostly through email. I introduced him to his, to his wife. Um, That's a Only a deal. year or so after 1988. And they're still together with four kids. Yeah. Wow. Um, but John, because he stayed in, or at least went into this business, and has you know, yeah. we 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 move in similar circles. So we'd be yeah. we'd be um, we'd see each other on a regular, fairly regular basis. And uh, the fact that we have known each other since we were probably thirteen is uh, gives us uh, quite a kick. That's He's a good crazy. egg. Yeah. We like to finish with the segment, What Did You Learn Today? And I, I learned a little bit more about the music scene in Dublin at the time. I, I wasn't aware much. I, I like hearing about the, the soul that I guess really came to its own head with the release of The Commitments, which I think came out a couple of years ago. I'm so glad later. you mentioned The Commitments. Yeah, I was thinking, I, I yep. meant to. Yeah, it was two years after this. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of those songs were... You know, big, massive covers of big soul songs. Yeah. Here's the here's the big connection there. Maria Doyle Kennedy, who played uh, one of the characters in the commitment, she was one of the background the singers. Series, yeah. She was a tall brunette. Okay, yeah. She was sitting in the Trinity College Dublin Arts Block Cafe, which I would several years later spend plenty of time in, <laughs> with Liam and Fekna. And they were brainstorming band names, and she was the one who suggested Hot House Flowers. No kidding! Wow. So there you go. There's, there's the connection. I need to rewatch the commitments. It's definitely like top of my list to rewatch right now. What I learned today is, uh, I've been pronouncing Dohini and Nesbit wrong. So it's, di- say it again for me. Dohini. 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 Now, you wouldn't be alone because I came. Perfect. Joel just dropped his phone. When I first came to Los Angeles, uh, people were telling me to go to Doheny, and I said, well, that's obviously Doheny Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> right. But that's, I learned how to pronounce that, or at least how to hear it better. <laughs> and then also the about the small room in pubs for more intimate conversations. What are those called? Snugs. Snugs. I love that, and I wish I had like explored a little bit more in there. But um, that's in LA, what I they're learned. Called snags. <laughs> I feel like I learned a lot more than that today, yeah. but that's the the one that stands up. I learned a lot of things. Um, well, I didn't know. I didn't know they were still doing like live music sessions in, in um, Dohany and Nesbits. <laughs> you um, you pronounced it correctly. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that that's that's cool, and uh, I really liked your the song you picked earlier. You know, uh, with that story, um, that was cool. Good morning, America. How are you? Joel, uh, I've got nothing for you. I'm glad. I'm I'm a little sad for you that um, you were in love with someone who didn't love you the same back. Yeah. It was close. We were close. But then we both had to go to college. Was, was it completely unrequited? No. It, it was it was somewhat requited. We had nice. a relationship. What? Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so jealous. Um, somewhat requited somewhat requited love. <laughs> I sometimes I guess I sometimes look at that relationship as it's just as much a result of that fear and turmoil of, of senior year. It felt like it felt something potentially secure, stable, pure. Um, while things, so many things were just swirling around me, uh, and, and and change was coming, and not to mention 
Not to mention me trying to figure out who I was and how I fit into everything, which, 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 like, I, it was a constant low level internal battle. In high school, I feel like I was hiding, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, trying not to reveal my true self, but probably because I didn't know who that yeah. was. Sure. That's right. And you end up being traumatized in one way or another by your childhood. Yeah. And, you know, these years that we're, we spent the last hour or so talking about um, are so formative. Yeah. And, and on the one hand, you want to forget them. Yeah. And on the other hand, you cherish them because they made you who you are. My good friend Jason O'Mara is an actor and director hailing from Dublin, Ireland and now living in Los Angeles. You can see him on the fourth and final season of The Man in the High Castle on Amazon Prime starting November 15th, 2019. Follow him on Twitter at Jason underscore O'Mara and on Instagram at Jason O'Mara Official. Is that right? Thank you, Joel. (laughs) Oh, there he is. (laughs) Let's not forget he's the voice of Batman as well. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. <laughs> I've had you, such Jason. good fun. Thank you so much for having me. And I can't believe I'm uh, part of this season now. Yeah. We're you so are. happy to have I'm you. Very excited. It was great. Thanks for listening to this particular album is very, very important to me. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at this particular album. Follow us on Twitter at particular album. The show is produced by me, Deborah Tarika, Ryan Middledorf, and everyone at Campfire Media. Artwork by James Mulholland. Music by me, Joel Spence. See you next time. Campfire.